Well, turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19, we're continuing our study of the book of Revelation, and we're seeing what really, as we started last week at verse 11 of chapter 19, it is the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. He comes as the King of kings, Lord of lords. We can put this up here, if it'll work here. Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to take the throne of his father David, to rule for a thousand years in what we call the millennium. So just think about what I just said. Jesus is coming as the King of kings, Lord of lords. He's going to sit on the throne of Israel, of his father David. That's King David. That was the promise to David. He will rule, as we find in Revelation chapter 20, for a thousand years. And we call this the millennium because the millennium means a thousand. So this morning, we're going to see as Jesus comes out of heaven, it's a time of judgment and reward. We're going to see what the Jewish people have waited for forever, and that is the coming of the Lord and the kingdom. We'll see what the church has waited for forever. We're saying we want to be with Jesus Christ as he rules and reigns in righteousness. Well, as we start that, let's think about this. There are people out there. In fact, I heard a podcast the other day about people who want this new world order. They want, they want all the nations and everything to come together. If you remember, it started after World War I with the League of Nations was formed. That kind of faded away. After World War II, again, the United Nations came, the UN. And the idea is that the nations would all come together. Well, there's some out there who would teach that it, maybe we ought to just all be like one big nation or there'd be one big ruler. And so here's a question that I ask. Will there ever be? a new world order in which there's one leader, so to speak, and the answer is yes, and, and the Bible talks about a one world order, and that, and that is this, when our great king ruling the world in righteousness and justice, there's one great king ruling the world, righteousness, justice, and peace, and that king is Jesus Christ. That's who he is. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to be in the future, of course, after the tribulation, after he comes, after he'll come to this, to this earth and rule for a thousand years. We're seeing what's called the end time events. In fact, the whole book of Revelation is end time events. I wanted to just remind you of this. There's a word, eschatology, which means the study of end times. It comes from the Greek word eschaton and the word logos. Put them together, it means the study of last things. That's what we've been seeing in the book of Revelation the whole time, God's final plan. How things fit together. If you notice, well, we read this earlier, but we'll talk about it later on. Here's what John sees. He said, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them, and the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God, those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, they had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands, they came to life, and just notice this, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Jesus Christ is going to come to this earth and rule for a thousand years. This is the chart we put up all the time. And let me just remind you, this is Jesus' first coming. He came on the earth to die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again, sin back to heaven. He's going to come a second time to the earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. That's him coming. In between, there's the church age, and then Jesus is going to come in the clouds, not to the earth, in the clouds to take the church off. When we're taken out, there's going to be then a peace pact made, and there'll be a seven-year time period called the tribulation. We've been seeing it in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation all the way to chapter 19, and that's the, that time. Now, we're seeing the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, what's amazing is the time of the year we're singing all the Christmas songs, and the Christmas songs deal with the first coming of Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, it happens to be that we are at the second coming of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to set up a kingdom, and he'll rule for 
before a thousand years. Now, let me, let me teach you something, show you something today. Many of you know this already, so this is not new to you. But people, a lot of people look at the Bible and the end times in different ways. There are three views on what we call the millennium, which is the thousand-year reign of Christ. There's a group, but there's a people that believe it's called premillennial. They believe Jesus comes and then sets up the kingdom. Now, that's what we believe. We believe Jesus is going to come to the earth and set up a kingdom and rule for a thousand years. There's another group they call post-millennial. They actually believe that the kingdom is going to come, the, the church is going to make the world all righteous, then Jesus comes. There is a third group, and they're called amillennial, which the A on the front means no millennium. They don't believe there'll ever be a literal kingdom. There won't be any of that. There won't be like a rapture, a tribulation, an antichrist, any of that. And so that's the three views. Let me just show you how it works. This is, our, this is our view. Let's just say it. It's called premillennial. We believe the church is going to be taken out. There'll be the tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes down, sets up a kingdom and rules for a thousand years. That's called the premillennial view. And so we look at it, church age, tribulation, then the millennium with Jesus ruling. Okay, there's another view, as we said a while ago, and it's called the post-millennial view. And what they believe is this, that the church is going along, and as time gets along, we're going to get better and better and better, and we're going to lead everyone to Christ, and the whole world will be Christianized, and then there'll be a time on the earth, whether it's a thousand years or not, they don't really say. They just say the earth is going to be great, then Jesus is going to come. That's called post-millennial. And so they actually believe that there'll be the church age, and then there'll be the golden age, as they call it, where everybody in the world is believing in Christ, then Jesus comes. Now, the problem with that view is when you read the scripture like Second Peter and Second Timothy, he says, in the last days things will get worse and worse. Things aren't going to get better and better. So that view really doesn't match scripture at all. The other view is called the amillennial view, and what they believe is we're in the church right now, and that's it. And the next event is Jesus coming. There won't be a rapture. There won't be a tribulation. There won't be an antichrist. There won't be an abomination, desolation. Uh, the only next event will just be Jesus Christ coming back. And here's what they believe. They say, we're in the present age, and we're in the millennium now. Um, well, the... If that's true, the church has been going over 2,000 years, so that's more than 1,000 years. And they say that one of these days Jesus is going to come back. The problem is if you really study the millennial, Jesus, uh, Satan is bound during the millennial reign. Uh, if Satan is bound now, it's a really long chain, don't you think? I mean, so it, it, that doesn't fit either. So the one that really fits... And probably the best one is the one that we hold to, which, and the reason we hold to it is called, we hold to what we call historical, literal, grammatical interpretation of the Bible. We look at a historical contents, literally, what do the words say, grammatically, how do they fit together, and what we say is there's a literal Jesus' death and resurrection sending back. There's a church. There is a literal rapture. There's a literal seven-year tribulation. There's a literal second coming. There's a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. So that's how we hold to that. And so anybody that holds to a literal grammatical interpretation of the Bible are going to always be what we'd call premillennial, believing that Jesus is going to come back and set up the kingdom and rule for a thousand years. That's how we hold to that. So other people don't. And, and the amillennials basically would say, even though in the book of Revelation... In seven verses, it says six times that he will rule for a thousand years. They say it doesn't mean a thousand years. It doesn't even mean years. It just, it's just a set way of saying. So some people hold to the Bible, and they hold to it like we do, historically, grammatically, and what it says. Some people don't, and that's why there are different views. And so we're, we're, we're looking at 
this view right here that we've been seeing all the whole time of tribulation and now Jesus is coming back, Revelation 19.11 and he's coming back to set up the kingdom and he will rule in that kingdom for a thousand years. So that's going to be, that's amazing. Now, here's the outline, if it'll work. There. Here's the outline for our passage this morning. We're going to start at verse 19. We went through the first 18 last time. And so we're going to see uh, the judgment, the judgment on the beast and the false prophet and unbelievers. And we're going to see Satan is bound. And we're going to see Jesus reigns. And we're not getting into all these verses down here. We'll just stop at verse 4. But we'll see all that next time. We'll see how it fits together. So this is it. This is sort of what we've been waiting for. We've talked about the book of Revelation and the judgments and all the, the seven seal judgments and the seven trumpet judgments and the seven bowl judgments and the seven last things in Revelation and the seven angels that we saw. And we've seen all these things throughout the book. And now we've been saying we're waiting for the time that Jesus Jesus comes back. And see, one of these days, Jesus is going to come in the clouds and he's going to take us out of here. All of us who have believed in Christ for eternal life, we're going to be gone. We'll be up there with him. And then when he comes back, as we saw last week, when he comes back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we will come back with him and we will be with him in the millennial kingdom. So that's some great things. So let's talk about, the, the, just for a second, the comings of Christ, just so we understand it. The first coming of Jesus Christ, he came to die. The second coming, he comes to reign. First time he came, he offered himself to Israel as the king and he he rode in on a donkey. The second time he's coming as the king of kings for the world and he rides in on a white horse and the first time he was asking, the second time he's telling. He's not asking anybody when he comes the second time. He's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So we get these two comings of Christ to the earth. The first one was to be born, to die and rise again. That's Christmas. That's where we are now. And then the second time he comes as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So look back at Revelation 19. Look at verse 11, and we see him coming. It says, I saw heavens opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. This is the heavens open, and he's coming riding on a white horse. Now, if you notice, the verse says, he judges and wages war. This is not going to be a fun time for people left on the earth. It's already been judgment all the way through. Many people have died. Believers have been put to death, chased down and killed. Unbelievers have been killed by the, the, all of the plagues and all of the things that are happening. And now he's coming back. And he's coming back to judge and to wage war. Now, I want to remind you that the nations of the world, and we're going to see it in just a few minutes, the nations of the world, these are the unbelievers, have come to a valley, a big place called the, the Valley of Jezreel, the Plain of Jezreel. There is a mountain there called Har Megiddo. We say Armageddon, Armageddon. This is why it's called the campaign of Armageddon. All these nations have come together to attack Jerusalem. There's a big, long area that's going to be there that's about 200 miles. This is where that battle is going to be fought. And everybody calls it the Battle of Armageddon. They've all lined up. They're ready to attack Jesus. He's coming, and he's coming to make war with the unbelievers on the earth who are attacking him. Now, these unbelievers are led by the beast, which is the Antichrist. We'll see that more in just a minute. Revelation 19.11, he says, heavens are open, and he's got names there. Uh, he's called in verse uh, 12, he's got a name that nobody knows. Then in verse 13, he's called the Word of God. And then in verse 16, he's called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's coming. We saw last time there's going to be 
the great supper of God. Now, we thought, oh, wait, the great supper of God, is that the same as the marriage supper of the Lamb? No. There are two suppers, suppers mentioned. One is the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's back earlier. That's going to happen during the millennial kingdom. There is one called the great supper of God. And if you remember, let me read it to you. Verse 17, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, come, assemble for the great supper of God so that you may eat, now notice, the flesh of kings, the flesh of commanders, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, small and great. These, this great supper is birds coming to eat all the dead people that die when Jesus Christ comes back as the king. And so there's judgment before the kingdom is established. Now, I want you to understand that there, there's going to be great judgment uh, that's going to happen, and he's going to deal, God is going to deal with unbelievers, the beast, that's the Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan. And we'll see how that ties together as we get our passage. So, look at verse 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth... And their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against, uh, uh, against his army. That's them coming. That's what's, that's what's going to happen. And Jesus is going to deal with the beast and the false prophet. And the beast and the unbelievers are gathered together to make war. Now, can you picture this? Here is the heavens open and Jesus Christ is coming. And the nations of the world, the unbelievers of the world, have gathered together with the Antichrist to make war against Jerusalem and against Jesus Christ. Well, we know how that's going to last. Not going to last very long. As we said many times, people think that the idea of good and evil and it's like a toss-up, it is not a toss-up. Jesus Christ speaks and it's all over. That's what's going to happen. Just remember who, who we worship is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's going to be a separation, and we'll see it uh, leading with, first of all, the beast and the false prophet and what's going to happen. So look at verse 20. And the beast was seized, that's the Antichrist, and with him the false prophet who performed signs in the presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Let me stop. You remember there are two people that we see. There's the Antichrist, who claims to be God and, and wants to be worshipped, and there's the false prophet who says everyone should worship the Antichrist. They put an idol of the Antichrist which looks like him and talks and moves in the temple in Jerusalem, and they demand everybody to worship. These are the two people. These are human beings, and they're demon-possessed, and it says, and the beast was seized, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, and these two, the last part of the verse says, and these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. Now, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire, That's who, and, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute. Let me tell you something. When people say the word hell, most of the time in the Bible, when it'll say hell, if you look at the Greek word, it is the word Hades. When we think of hell, we think of lake of fire. When you see the word in the, most of our English Bibles that just say hell, that doesn't mean lake of fire. It means the place of the dead. That's Hades. Hades, the place of the dead, is different than the lake of fire. This is the first two people 
thrown into the lake of fire is the beast and the false prophet. Let's talk about them for just a second. In Revelation 20, 20, beast and false prophet, they put together this one world government. And if you remember, there was, we called it the unholy trinity. There was Satan, the dragon, the devil who influences everything. The beast, who's the man, the antichrist, who is the world ruler. And the prophet, the false prophet, who uh, points people to the antichrist. Well, when Jesus comes, he's coming to judge them with the word of God. And that's why Jesus Christ is called the word in Revelation 19.13. The sword comes out of his mouth, which is the word of God, 19.15. They are slain by the word of God, which is 19.21. And that's what's going to happen. And so the beast and the false prophet are going to be cast into the lake of fire. The beast claims to be God. The false prophet wants people to worship him. These are two of the most evil human beings that has ever existed on the face of the earth because they've killed millions of people. They are controlled by the devil. We've seen them all the way through the book of Revelation. And they're cast... They're going to be the first two cast into the lake of fire. And so the lake of fire is a place of eternal separation. Hades, or Sheol, Sheol's the Old Testament word, is, is the place of the dead. We're going to find that unbelievers, when they die, they go to Hades or Sheol. Believers, when we die, to be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. So unbelievers who die are not in hell. They're not in the lake of fire. They're in Hades. Let me just say this. We know that there's all the drawings and all the pictures. They have Satan and he's in hell and there's a fire and he's got on, you know, horns and and a pitchfork and he's saying, let's get more people down here with me. Uh, Satan's not in the lake of fire. In fact, these are the first two people in the lake of fire. And Satan doesn't control the lake of fire. God does. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. But the truth is God is in control of everything. Satan is only an angel. He's a, he's a very powerful angel, but that's all he is. And he doesn't control these things. And we're going to see that the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. And look at verse 21. It says, and the rest, these are people. The rest of those millions of people who are gathered together against Jesus. And the rest were killed with the sword which comes from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with the flesh. Those birds come to eat them. So they're killed uh, and 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 these these unbelievers who are all put to death do not go into the lake of fire. Not then, they go into Hades or Sheol. Uh, you can look at Luke chapter sixteen, and you can see how that ties together. If you want to see what that is, now the first two to be placed in the lake of fire are the beast and the false prophet. Now watch this. Remember the birds, and it says, and the birds were filled with their flesh. Uh, the unbelievers are killed by the word of God and they're eaten by the birds that gather for the great supper. And he says, I saw this angel standing in the sun and he cried out with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in mid heaven, come assemble for the great feast of God. You may eat the flesh of kings, commanders, mighty men, horses, all of that. They all free, slept. these birds are going to come eat all these dead people. We actually said, you remember back earlier that it talked about how that the blood would be as high as a horse's bit in this area, 200 miles. We said we don't know whether it means bodies will be piled that high or actually be blood that high. Anyway, that's the people that's going to be killed when Jesus Christ comes. That's what his plan is. It's very, very powerful. Unbelievers are put to death. 
and the beast and the false prophet are cast in the lake of fire. Let me show you one thing, and you don't have to turn there, uh, that over in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about this time when Jesus comes and he's going to have a separation. The unbelievers are going to be cast basically into Hades, and the believers are going to get to go into the kingdom. And in Matthew 25, 31 through 33, he calls them sheep and goats, and there's a separation of the sheep from the goats. The sheep are the believers, and the goats are the unbelievers. And in verse 34, he says... For those at my right hand that are believers get to go into the kingdom, that's the sheep. Then he says to those on the left, the goats, who are unbelievers, he says, you will go and be separated. So that's what's going to happen one of these days. Now, we're not through. Because what about Satan? Because the beast and the false prophet are in the lake of fire at this point. But what about Satan? What happens to him? Well, he's an evil angel, so let's see what happens. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. And look what he did. He bound him for a thousand years. Now, in the next seven verses, he's going to say a thousand years six times. Do you think he meant a thousand years? Or do you think he just meant, ah, just vague, ah, it's not even real. No, it's real, and it's thousand years. Now, I want you to know this is called the binding of Satan when the angel comes. Let me tell you, throughout history, I've talked to people, they said, we're going to go bind Satan. Let me just tell you something. You don't want to mess with Satan. We just did a study called Angels and Demons on Wednesday night at our Bible Institute, and we said the best thing you can do is draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you, put on the full armor of God, stand strong, do not go after the devil, do not go to try to bind Satan. He is a very powerful angel. So leave him alone and get as close to God as possible. This passage says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain, and he got the dragon, the serpent, and he bound him for a thousand years. So he did this. Well, what angel could it be? Most say, a lot of people have said, well, I think Satan's the most powerful angel. No, he's not. Michael's the most powerful angel. We saw back in the book of Revelation that Michael and, and uh, uh, Lucifer had a battle and Michael kicked Satan out of heaven. Michael is the most powerful angel that we'll ever know. Some people say that this is maybe Michael coming. It doesn't say. He just says, I saw an angel coming down out of heaven. I would guess that maybe it is Michael, but look what it says. He wants us to make sure we don't miss who he is. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Look at the names. The dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan. He wants you to make sure that we understand. He wanted us to say, listen, who is this that gets bound for a thousand years? It's one we would call Satan. The beast and the false prophet are in the lake of fire. Satan is not in the lake of fire at this time. He is cast into a big hole and he's bound with a chain for a thousand years. And he's called the serpent of old. Let me just remind you why he's called the serpent of old. He always wants the same thing. He wants you to doubt God's love, and he wants you to doubt God's word. That's what he wants you to do. He does it all the way through. When he came to the garden, and he came to Eve. Now, her name really wasn't Eve at that point. It was Isha, which means out from man. He came to the woman, and he said, You mean God said you can't eat from every tree of the garden? He's wanting her to doubt God's love. If God really loved you, he would let you eat from every tree. And then he said, 
In the day that you eat from that tree, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, God had already told them not to eat it because in the day they ate it, they would die. But Satan said, you won't die. And so he, he wanted her to doubt God's word. So that's what he always does. And let me tell you what he does with you and me. When things go wrong, he wants you to say, he wants you to think, if God really loved you, this wouldn't happen to me. If God really loved you, I wouldn't be going through this. If God really loved me, I wouldn't have this sickness. If God really loved it, and that's what he wants you to doubt God's love. And then he wants you to doubt the word. And people will say, there really wasn't a Jonah. And they, the Red Sea never parted. And, and I mean, David didn't kill some giant guy nine feet, nine inches tall. Uh, those are just stories. That's what people want you to believe. Just like some people say, there won't be a kingdom. Yes, there will be, because the Bible says it. And you have to trust the Bible. Don't let Satan make you doubt God's love or doubt God's word. And so here he is, and he's thrown, and he's bound for a thousand years. That is so amazing. He wants you to doubt God's love and doubt his word, but he's bound for a thousand years. Now, I think I put that the next one. Yeah, Satan will be bound the entire time the kingdom's on the earth. Look at the next verse, verse 3. And he threw him into the abyss, and he shut it and sealed it over him, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until when? Until the thousand years were completed. And then after these things, he must be released for a short time. And we would say, why? Why release him? Why would God let him go? And this really, we don't know. Well, you might have to get to Jesus and say, why did you let him go? And the only thing I can think of is to show that even when Satan is not there, because he can't deceive the nations while he's bound, people still reject Jesus Christ. We're going to see, and we'll see it in the next week or two, that at, during the millennial kingdom, there'll be people who have normal bodies and they will produce offspring, and many of those offspring will reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Savior, even though he's sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. They will reject him. In fact, I hate to even read this, but it says when the battle comes and Gog and Magog come together and Satan brings those with him, it says the number of them is like the sand of the seashore. That means there'll be millions of people who reject Jesus Christ and at the end of the thousand years want to rebel from the rule of Jesus so I think maybe the only reason to release Satan at the end of the thousand years is to show that man still rebels even with Satan not there. So I don't know. We just have to ask him when we get there. That, that, so he's going to be bound for a thousand years, and then see, look what happens. Then we're going to get to a, a tremendous uh, verse, and it's Revelation 20, verse 4. And this is the kingdom, and he says, I saw thrones, and they sat on it, and judgment was given to them. And then people who made it through the, the, the tribulation without, you know, some of them were killed. And they didn't take the mark of the beast. And it says at the end, they came to life, they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, he's highlighting there all the people who were killed during the tribulation, he says they're going to be raised from the dead to be with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. Let me show you a passage written by Jeremiah long before Jesus was ever born. Look what he says. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. The righteous branch from David is Jesus he will reign as king and act wisely. He will do justice and righteousness in the land. His day, in his days, Judah will be saved and all Israel will live securely. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And this is his name by which he'll be called 
the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah prophesied of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Didn't say how long it would be. In fact, the first time we find out how long the kingdom's going to be is the book of Revelation right here. And he says it six times. It's a thousand years. Wow. Now, who's going to be in the kingdom with Jesus? Well, first of all, all the believers are going to be with Jesus Christ. The church, that's us. We've been raptured, we've been rewarded, and we're coming back with him. That's what we saw last week. The Old Testament saints in Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says they will be raised at the end of the tribulation to go into the kingdom. And then those from the tribulation who had been killed, we saw them in Revelation 20 verse 4, they'll go into the kingdom. And then there'll be some believers who did not die and they will go into the kingdom. Now I put this chart out last time and I just want to remind you. This called the first resurrection and the second resurrection, the resurrection of life and the resurrection of death. Jesus was the first to be raised from the dead. Then it'll be us, the church, then the Old Testament tribulation saints, and then those who come through, all of us will go into the kingdom, and we will have a part in what's called the first resurrection, and we will rule with Jesus Christ, and that'll be for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, then the unbelievers will be raised from uh, what we'd call the, uh, the, the Hades, and they will stand before the great white throne judgment, and then they'll be cast in the lake of fire. We'll get that. So this is the chart, and this is the people. So all the, all the church age will go into the kingdom. All the Old Testament saints will go into the kingdom. All the tribulation saints who died will go into the kingdom, and all the tribulation saints who didn't get killed will go into the kingdom. That who will rule with Jesus for a thousand years. That's how it how it fits. And so for this us, this is it. This is the thousand year reign. Old Testament saints, the church, the tribulation believers, and the tribulation believers who, who didn't get killed, they all go into the kingdom. You will be in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You will stand before Jesus Christ at a thing called the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for how you have lived now has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is a gift, costs us absolutely nothing. We never stand before God for sin. Jesus has already dealt with it all. We have already believed in him for eternal life. We're saved and saved forever. When we stand before Jesus Christ, it'll be for rewards. We want to hear him say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear him say. And if we hear that, we're going to get to rule and reign with him with positions of responsibility. Some people just don't realize this, but how we live now as believers will determine how we live and serve during the thousand-year reign and how we live and serve for all eternity in the eternal state. So we'll rule here with him. There'll be a great white throne judgment. There'll be eternity. We're seeing that. And all we see in Revelation 20 verse 4, and we'll take up there next time, we're seeing the people that he rules for a thousand years. And it's really powerful. And by the way, this is the fulfillment of the promise to King David and to Mary. Back in 2 Samuel, David was promised that his greater son would sit on the throne. Mary was promised in Luke chapter 1 that her son would be the king and take the throne of his father, David. That's exactly what we're going to see. Wow, there's so much great stuff here. So what what have we seen? Well, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back on a white horse, and we're coming with him, and he's going to judge, and he's going to speak, and he takes the beast and the false prophet, and he casts them into the lake of fire. He kills all the unbelievers who have gathered together to attack him, and he's put them into Hades, and then he sets up a kingdom, and he takes Satan and binds Satan, bounds him, he's bound for a thousand years, and then he rules on this earth for a thousand years with us, the Old Testament saints, and the tribulation saints. 
That's what's going to happen. And that's what we're seeing. We should be rejoicing. Uh, we don't want anybody to go through the tribulation. That's why we should be sharing our faith, telling everybody the best we can. Listen, believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. One of these days, Christ is going to come get us, take us out, and then it'll be too late, and they'll be in the tribulation. Now, they can believe in Christ during the tribulation. Many will, but most likely they'll be killed. And we'll just see how that goes. So let, let's, uh, let's give me give you some applications. Let's, let's understand the names of Satan. Think about that. He's the dragon with power. He's the serpent who's crafty. He's the devil, a liar. He's Satan who's the adversary. So just know who he is and what he's done. And just remember, he will be bound for a thousand years during what we call the millennial kingdom. Second is just realize that during the kingdom, there's going to be a time of separation. When Jesus sets up the kingdom, there'll be a separation of the sheep from the goats. The believers will enter the kingdom with Jesus. That's called the sheep. The unbelievers will be separated into Hades. That's called the goats. You might say, okay, they're going to Hades. What's going to happen to them? After the thousand years, God will raise all unbelievers out of Hades, and they will stand before him at something called the great white throne judgment. So just remember, during the kingdom, there'll be a great separation, believers from unbelievers. And then finally, let's understand that believers will serve Jesus during the kingdom. And not only during the kingdom, but to the eternal state. So how we live now, it's a time of rewards. We want to hear him say, well done. We want to live in such a way using the gifts, talents, and abilities, the time, the possessions, everything that he's given us. We want to say, Lord, take my life. Use me for your glory. So one day when you stand before him, he says, great job. Well done. You are faithful to use whatever I gave you for his own glory. That's what we all want. We want to hear him say that. 